0: Yeah, so uh, I found this during April Fool's Day. I
1: was going to say, probably right around April 1st, right?
0: Yeah. This was by a company called Wiz. Yeah, Cisotopia. It's the world's first ever cybersecurity toy store. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just, it's just funny. I think it's really well done.
1: It is. It's very well done.
0: It's great. The frustrating thing about this website was that the fact that it is a joke. Because I, I would totally buy some of this stuff
1: blindfolds for your legal team (laughs) dark mode glasses all right these are funny i like these
0: I think someone spent a decent amount of time on this, and I enjoy it.
1: Yeah, the
0: incident response kit is quite fun as well. If you click into that, you, you can see what's in it, which is like the world's strongest coffee, a couple of Red Bulls, some Dunking <laughs> Donuts coffee. Like it's it's basically just all things to to face the all nighter. Oh,
1: this is gr- okay. I'm all in for this website now. This is fantastic.
0: Someone's put some serious time into this because like the cat in VR with some coffee is is really quite cool as well. The magic eight ball for cybersecurity experts where it just says, blame the intern. (laughs) Oh, it's got a whole host of possible answers. Uh, Don't trust the logs. Call legal. Time to inform the board. 2FA was off. (laughs) Take a deep breath. Update your LinkedIn profile. Oh boy. Deploy the cloak of invisibility.
1: That's awesome.
0: Get the incident response team of pizza. Oh my gosh. Then I see things like, CISO with a with a sign kit, and it's a bit of cardboard and a permanent marker for five bucks. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: There's everything here that's going to make me chuckle. Made with love by Wiz. Just to kind of let you down gently, you cannot buy any of this stuff. I, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Like, this is all fake, right? Yeah, nice. Because you get on there, and like, the CISO juggling balls, I think like, you know, maybe dark mode glasses like hilarious that's definitely not a thing and then i got down to like the CISO panic button and i was like i wonder if that's a thing but no (laughs) turns out all of this is fake you can't buy it that's too bad these are great the frustrating thing is it lets you add it to cart and only tells you when you go to check out that it hasn't (laughs) that that it's not a real thing
1: april april fools that's pretty good it's pretty good so today today the day that we're recording this we are actually releasing the next iteration of our unlock with single sign-on today and we now support unlock with azure so if you have a, a business that uses azure for its identity provider within your company you can now unlock one password with azure uh, you can go to our website and read all about it
0: it's a great name azure it is i like it yeah I think it's one of the best product names.
1: It's really nice. It's a very sticky name. It's good. I like it.
0: So let's jump into some Watchtower Weekly.
1: Watchtower Weekly is our regular segment named after 1Password's Watchtower feature where we discuss and dissect some of the latest security news and recent data breaches each episode. And this week, our first story comes to us from Vice.com. Take it away, Matt.
0: <laughs> why, why were you suddenly professional? I don't know. A, I don't know. I mean, we can continue riding that bandwagon if you like. No, sound I think like, that we shouldn't. Uh, 1970s radio DJs. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> uh, so this one is: hackers can remotely open smart garage doors across the world. From Vice, hackers can remotely tap into particular brands of smart garage door open controllers, open them across the world due to a series of security vulnerabilities with that brand. I'm assuming that they can also close them, equally as annoying, <laughs> but less of a security issue. So the brand called Next has declined to fix, according to findings, from a security researcher. The vulnerabilities pose a serious risk to users of Next, which offers a Wi-Fi enabled garage door opener. So amongst other products, the researcher who discovered the issue has said that Next has not responded to their attempts to responsibly report the vulnerabilities for months. So Nex says it sells easy-to-use products that work with things that you already own. Its garage product connects a person's existing garage door opener and allows them to activate it remotely through a smartphone app. I'm assuming these things are like radio-controlled, and then so they have like a button pusher or like a a repeater for the signal, and then you tap your smartphone or something like that, and then it pings the garage door, right? Correct, yes. Life is complicated enough, they say. Remembering whether or not you left your garage door open should be the least of your worries. Get peace of mind, the company advertises on its website. Is that true? You have one of these American garage doors that isn't 100 years old and made of wood, right? Correct, yes. It's a big aluminum thing. And do you have like a a thing that tells you whether it's open or closed? Or is it just like you press a button? I do. Seriously? high-tech garages.
1: Well, yeah. Like the smart garage door opener kit that I bought for it came with a a sensor. It's just a little magnetic sensor that when the garage door is closed, it just tells HomeKit it's closed. That's pretty good. It's not made by
0: Nex, is it? I'm
1: going (laughs) to go and find out. I'm pretty sure it's not.
0: Okay. So Sam Sabeton, the security researcher, told Motherboard that... You can actually do this completely remotely anywhere in the world. And he made a video proof of concept of the hack. It shows him first opening his own garage door as expected with the next app. And then he logs into a tool and views the messages sent by that device and then closes the door with the app and captures the data and then sends that data to the the server during this action. And with that, he doesn't just receive information about his own device, but also messages from 558 other devices that aren't his he is now able to then see the device id the email address and the name linked to each other so he replayed a command back to the garage door through the software rather than the app and his door opened once again so he only tested this on his own garage door but he he could remotely open other users garage doors with this technique so he told Motherboard that he could open doors for any customer, and that's the craziest kind of bug. So the consequences of someone kind of weaponizing these vulnerabilities are wide-ranging and potentially a real security threat for Nex's customers. A hacker could open doors around the world at random, exposing their garage and contents, and perhaps even their homes. To opportunistic thieves, pets might escape or customers might just get very annoyed at the idea of someone opening and closing their their garage door at whim. But in extreme cases, a a hacker could use these vulnerabilities apart from a targeted attack, you know, against a garage door that uses Nex's entire security system. Subetan and Motherboard have repeatedly tried to contact Nex about the security issues, and Subetan has said that the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, told him it had attempted to contact two. The company has failed to reply or fix the vulnerabilities, and this means the security vulnerabilities are still available. So if you have one of these products, disconnect it, is my advice, because if you have one of these products, it's not a great time to to have one.
1: No. You know, I've been walking around the neighborhood every once in a while, like taking the dog out for a walk. And I'll sometimes I'll come across a Bluetooth speaker that's like open and ready for pairing that I can send audio to. And I always like sort of chuckle and be like, Haha, I could start playing music in this person's house. But like being able to just be like, oh, you know what, I'm going to open that garage door over there is terrifying. This isn't cool. I don't like this at all.
0: So this next one from the BBC is about a popular cybercrime website that has been shut down by police. So Genesis Market, one of the world's biggest criminal marketplaces as used by online fraudsters to buy passwords, has been closed down in a global law enforcement crackdown. So Genesis Market sold login details, IP addresses, and other data that made up victims' digital fingerprints, often costing less than $1. The personal information let fraudsters log into banks and online shopping accounts. Law enforcement agencies around the world were part of these coordinated raids. During a series of raids, the UK's National Crime Agency, the NCA, arrested 24 people who are suspected users of the site. They included two men aged 34 and 36 in Grimsby, Lincolnshire, who are being held on suspicion of fraud and computer misuse. Law enforcement agencies from 17 countries were involved in the raids. The operation was led by the FBI in the US and the Dutch National Police, working alongside NCA in the UK, the Australian Federal Police, and countries across Europe as well. Globally, 200 searches were carried out and 120 people were arrested. From April 5th, anyone logging into the Genesis website saw a message that read, Operation Cookie Monster, this website has been seized. (laughs) Oh dear. Operation Cookie Monster. I'm assuming because the way that they, you know, will link people to this website is cookies. But I'm sure it's not as all hooked up as that. Genesis Market had 80 million sets of credentials and digital fingerprints up for sale, with the NCA calling it an enormous enabler of fraud. For too long, criminals have stolen credentials from innocent members of the public. That was from Robert Jones, the Director General of the National Economic crime center at the nca we now want criminals to be afraid that we have their credentials and they should be he added a little bit of a a little bit fighty there i like it (laughs) dutch police have launched a portal on their website where the public can check whether their data has been compromised very similar of course to have i been pwned which i'm sure all of the information is in have i been pwned as well genesis market operated on the open web as well not just the dark web Set up in 2017, it was notable for its user-friendly English language interface. It was a one-stop shop for login data that enabled online fraud and users could buy information, including history and cookies and autofill form data ip address and location this allowed forsters to log into bank email and, and shopping accounts and redirect deliveries and even change passwords without raising suspicion login information on sale included passwords for facebook paypal netflix amazon ebay uber and airbnb accounts criminals buying the information were even notified by genesis if the passwords had changed So it was a whole host of services. Genesis provided its customers with purpose-built browser that would use the stolen data to mimic the victim's computer so it looked as if they were accessing their account using their normal and usual location. So the access didn't trigger any security alerts. Mr. Jones said it was a very sophisticated website, easy to use, with a wiki telling you how to use it and accessible on the open web and the dark web. So you didn't need to be a sophisticated cyber actor to get into this. You just needed to be able to use a search engine and then you could start committing crime. So depending on how much data was available, a victim's information would sell for around a dollar or up to hundreds of dollars. And while Genesis users were mostly accessing it for fraud, the data on sale could also be used for things like ransomware attacks where hackers could block access to data and demand payment to release it. The individual's data that led to the 2021 hacking of gaming giant Electronic Arts, EA, was sold for just $10. Will Line, head of cybersecurity intelligence at NCA, said Genesis was a significant marketplace for buying login information and believes there are around 2 million victims worldwide. So 2 million victims worldwide, 80 million sets of credentials and digital fingerprints up for sale. This is wild. This place was huge and great work that they've shut it down.
1: Yeah, this is really something. It's it is amazing to me that things like this exist,
0: especially on the open web.
1: Yeah, on the exactly without just being like immediately shut down. It's fascinating. It's set up in twenty seventeen. I realize you read that out, but like, my goodness, that's six years. This thing was kicking around. Mm. Wow.
0: So. This next one's from VentureBeat, and it's incredibly depressing. More depressing than other ones that we've read out today, which have been pretty depressing. A third of organizations admit to covering up data breaches. New research released by cybersecurity vendor Bitdefender surveyed over 400 IT and security professionals who work in companies with 1,000 employees or more. Bitdefender found that 42% of IT and security professionals surveyed had been told to keep breaches confidential, i.e., to cover them up when they should have been reported. Perhaps even more shockingly, 29.9% of respondents admitted to actually keeping the breach confidential instead of reporting it. This research highlights that an alarming number of organizations are willing to ignore their obligations to a report data breaches to regulators and customers in an attempt to avoid legal and financial penalties. The research comes less than a year after the FTC convicted former Uber CSO Joseph Sullivan for attempting to cover up a hack of Uber in 2016. The case highlighted that lying about data breaches is a serious criminal offense in many jurisdictions. 52% of the organizations have experienced a data breach within the last 12 months. I mean, that's wild alone. The five threats that respondents reported that they are most concerned about are software vulnerabilities and zero-day attacks, so that's 53.9%, phishing and social engineering was 52.2%, supply chain attacks, 49%, and ransomware, 48.5%. And insider threats, you know, bringing up the rear at 36.5%. So a bunch of things top of mind for, for CISOs. So Andre Folescu, the senior vice president of products at Bitdefender, said worldwide organizations are under tremendous pressure to contend with evolving threats such as ransomware, zero day vulnerabilities and espionage while struggling with the complexities of extending security coverage across environments and an ongoing skills shortage. He also said that the results of this survey demonstrate more than ever the importance of layered security that delivers advanced threat prevention, detection and response across the entire business, while improving efficiencies that allow security teams to do more with less. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sure this guy's great. But my God, that quote is empty. (laughs) Yeah. More with less. Doesn't everybody wish that?
1: Yeah, that that's that is such a it's such a red flag.
0: That's a daytime TV advert slogan. Do you want to do more with less?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: So I mean this sucks. Yeah. Not great. Because it is really important for organizations to tell you when they've been breached. Because it's your information that they're holding. I think I think this is the most depressing one of the day. Yeah. Because
1: it's impossible for us to know if we've been breached or not. If people aren't telling us, which is terrible. Yeah,
0: agreed. Well, should we move on to something a little bit lighter? Yeah, let's do it. Whoa. All right. So that's all for Watchtower Weekly. And now I think it's time for my chat with Steve Wan at 1Password, where he breaks down how 1Password is going to support pass keys and 1Password's plan for going passwordless. I think this is a really cool time for us. And it's a really nice interview to, to dive into all that 1Password has planned for what I think is the future of authentication. So... Here's Steve. We're jumping into this week at OnePassword today, and I'm delighted to welcome Chief Product Officer Steve Wan. as we cover all things passwordless, passkeys, and more specifically, how OnePassword is going to lead the way to the passwordless future. Hello, Steve. Hey Matt. Pleased to be here. So First things first, can you give us a quick refresher on what a passkey is and how it's different from regular passwords?
2: Yeah, for sure. So you can think about passkeys as a replacement for passwords. It's like a token that is going to work across devices to proxy as your credential. And I think really, there are a number of cool things about it. One, it sort of eliminates the problem of credential theft because it's built upon the principles of public key cryptography, which is also what one-password cryptographic model is based upon. And then secondarily, and I feel like this is like an underrated aspect of it, is when you put in a password, what you're doing is you're proving that yourself as a user are Matt or Talon or whatever your online handle might be. And what pass keys actually allow you to do is not only have the website verify you, but your credential will also verify the website. And the exciting thing about that is it's sort of a two-way authentication step, which just has tremendous like privacy implications and security implications in terms of the type of information that we share when we log in to websites and services that we use every single day.
0: So they're more secure than passwords. They do this kind of two-step process. Are there any other ways that passkeys are better than passwords?
2: Well, for one, it's something you don't have to remember at all. And it's a little counterintuitive, right? Because authentication is meant to be frictionful. Like authentication goes back all the way back to like challenge coins and the with Roman centurions passing off tokens to each other to prove that they belong to whatever legion and so forth. And passkeys rely on the predicates that we use every single day on laptops and phones, Touch ID, Face ID, Windows Hello, things that we, you know, on a phone you're probably doing like like 45 times a day unlocking the device with Face ID or fingerprint on an Android device. On a laptop, you're probably unlocking like 10 to 15 times a day. We're using the same predicate, the same user experience. So it's just gonna be so much more dang easier for end users to authenticate using something that they trust. Now on the flip side, the ironic thing is that's actually a gap we're gonna to have to make up for folks. The fact that pass keys are easier, by default users are gonna assume that's gonna be less secure. So there's some research i out found out that have actually shown people have less trust in that experience of using a biometric than using a password. Perhaps because we've done such a good job over the last 20 years convincing folks that using a strong password is the best way to go about things. My
0: favorite example of something like this is something that I, I probably I mentioned on the show and I talk about quite a lot is a parking ticket machine. You press the button, pay for your parking. When you put your card in, basically milliseconds occur and then it spits your card back out after you pay. And the queue is actually longer because people put the card back in at least a few times in order to check because it's so fast that it happens and i think we're we're going to have to do that with pass keys we're going to have to kind of slow down the experience a bit really acknowledge what is going on before we can then artificially slow it down so we can speed it up later almost
2: <laughs> i feel like when face id came out in one of the betas it was actually the animation that they show the face sort of flipping around for the authentication step was faster I remember there was like a beta stop where they actually slowed it down. And I feel like that's probably the decisions that the UX folks at Apple were making of like, oh, dang, this is going so quick that people don't realize something's actually happening. And this illustration animation actually shows that a process is taking place to verify your identity.
0: 100%. So let's move on to what 1Password is doing. How is 1Password going to support passkeys? If I sign up for a new Shopify account using a passkey, Will I be able to store that that passkey in 1Password?
2: Yeah, totally. So what's 1Password done for the past 18 years? 1Password has stored your credentials and allowed you to use it across platform on, on any service. Every day I use an iPhone, Google Pixel, MacBook, and a Windows PC. And 1Password just makes using the web bearable for me because I will hop between those devices, between work and personal life, and be able to use credentials everywhere. We're going to do the same with passkeys and that's where we're going to be starting from which is storing passkeys within one password and allowing you to use those cross-platform and it's really exciting for us to be able to like leave the charts there and we're choosing to be early a little bit to market because we need to make sure that we feel like we have a duty to make sure that users have a great first impression of utilizing passkeys and we think it, at present the experiences is so disjointed on each of the platforms that it's not going to be a great experience and it's going to be something that users just refuse to use because it's going to be hard of like, hey, okay, I, you know, maybe I had a good experience using passkeys in the Apple ecosystem, but the moment I use a Google device or the moment I log into a Windows device at work, actually I have to like have a whole different set of passkeys. That's not going to be great. So that's where we're going to be starting from, which is storing passkeys and using them across platforms. The second piece is maybe the project I'm most excited about, which is, unlocking one password with passkeys taking the password out of one password which leads to interesting conversations what domain name do we need to buy in the future and the reason (laughs) i'm really excited about that is one frankly like the account password is frictionful for some users i mean many of us in personal contacts as we convince family members or friends to set up one password couldn't even remember like my wife when she set up 1Password the first time, she was trying her darndest to to use a unique password, and she got locked out in the first, like, two weeks, and I had to reset her. Like, thankfully, it's a family account, so that's pretty straightforward. But imagine if her experience is replaced outright with a passkey. There actually is not a password for her to remember. It's going to delegate to Face ID on her phone, Touch ID on her MacBook Air, Touch ID on her iPad, and she's going to be able to log in and utilize 1Password across the board, without really thinking about it. And that's really exciting from like a enrollment, an activation, a usage standpoint of just making it simpler. Now, an obvious question might be like, wait, you've supported biometrics for years. Like what's the difference here? That's true. The way that biometrics have been implemented historically is biometrics are basically like a mask over the top of the password in the background or the device pin in the background. Fundamentally, pass keys actually eliminate that password there's a the concept of a shared secret, which is what a password is. It's a secret that you know and the service knows to be able to validate you. What PASCIs allow you to do is actually completely eliminate the shared secret, whereas biometrics are just masking over the top of it. And that is why it's going to eliminate the vector credential theft, which is what a vast majority of breaches are sourced from, according to Verizon's uh, data breach report. And that's going to be such a game changer on the web So many businesses, so many customers spend a tremendous amount of individuals on the support side, security staff, security products to defend poorly, frankly, against credential theft. And I've talked to so many businesses over my career that are just spending tremendous amounts of money on password resets for users that are stuck and dealing with stolen credentials and helping those folks invalidate those folks. And when pass keys are broadly accepted and available for businesses to utilize, we'll eliminate that vector of tack, which means businesses can just focus on their core products as opposed to dealing with this mess of identity and password resets and credential theft. So that's where the third part of our roadmap comes in, which is the passage service. So the passage service is going to be an authentication service That's passwordless. Actually, we have two lanes there as well. So we have a pure passkey authentication service. And then we also are working on something called Passkey Express, which allows you to add passkeys on top of your existing authentication schemas. And, you know, we're sober about the fact that customers are going to want to have a transitionary period, both for themselves and also for their customers as the passkey adoption accelerates. What I'm bullish about and why I think the next 18 months are going to be absolutely critical for us is you have Apple that supported Passkey starting in iOS 16 and Ventura. You have Google who intends to support with an extras and Android and it's going to be in preview next month. And you have Microsoft that is intense later half of this year, maybe even next year, for support. So you, there's the platform momentum on the consumer side that's going to drive Passkey adoption. And we need to be there to make sure that users have a great experience across all those platforms as there's uneven support to start out with.
0: So... You know, say I'm, I'm one of these end users that starts picking up PassKeys. What can I kind of expect from my experience of 1Password initially? I'm really excited. Obviously, I listen to the podcast, all of that stuff. So I'm a really avid 1Password user, and I want to use 1Password for PassKeys the day one that they come out. What can I really expect?
2: Yeah, so you'll be able to go to a service, for example, like PayPal, eBay, You'll be able to go, set up a passkey, and 1Password will pop up, just like we do with storing credentials and say, hey, do you want to store this passkey in 1Password? And we'll allow you to store the passkey within 1Password. And then as you go from device to device to authenticate, you'll be able to utilize that passkey to log in to that service. So just completely, you know, no longer using a password for that service, and there are a lot of questions that sort of arise from that of like, all right, what do you do with a existing password? What's sort of the fallback? And we're excited to partner with customers to figure out what this future looks like and use that feedback to continue to iterate and evolve on it. We're never done shipping. We're never done iterating, right? Our V1 is not gonna be V1 very long. It's gonna be a V2 pretty shortly after. So it's gonna be a fast moving. What customers can expect from 1Password is we're going to be on the bleeding edge and we're going to continue to iterate and we're going to make that experience better and better over time as PassKeys get more broadly adopted across services. And customers, you know, a great resource for folks to look at is PassKeys.Directory. So it's our service. It's a database that we're maintaining of consumer services and business services that support PassKeys. And we're actually in the process of adding a feature where you can both submit sites and then also vote on sites, sort of in like a Hacker News, Dig, Reddit kind of way. So that'll be a great way for early adopters to keep tabs on which services are supporting passkeys to start with. From an unlock and enroll standpoint, it's gonna be very seamless. It's gonna be, hey, like I'm using Touch ID, like I'm using maybe a Key, like I'm using a Windows Hello on my device. That's completely what you're going to rely on to log into one password, and you're never going to be asked for your account password again.
0: So, taking all of that in, we've heard about the death of the password for years. Do you believe that passkeys are it? You know, it's got the industry excited. It's got me working in security on the UX side, like absolutely excited. Do you think like this is the this is the one?
2: I do, and I feel like I have the benefit of experience. So I've been involved with FIDO since 2014. Back when I was a duo, we were launch partners with actually Google and Ubico on the U2F standard. And we were the first like service layer to support U2F. And then obviously like UAF was the follow on from that. And then we had WebAuthn, which even also a duo we partnered with folks like Intel to show off a demo working with SGX and a software-based platform authenticator outside of the Windows Hello and Touch ID schemas because there was an access to them at that point to support WebAuthn too. And so you see this like sort of trend line of like, we started with U2F, realized it was frictionful to expect consumers and users and businesses to rely on hardware-based tokens. And then we worked on UAF and WebAuthn and it was basically, it was too early for us to integrate with the uh, biometric providers that exist within the platforms at that point. And the reason I'm so bullish on passkeys keys is like that next sort of evolution and the technology that's gonna actually push us over the edge is, it's the platform support, frankly. Apple going all in early last year and saying, hey, we're gonna support this in iOS 16 and Ventura, and this is gonna be the future of authentication. And then Google's always been a key collaborator on U2F, UAF, and WebAuthn from the start of it. And then obviously, like, Microsoft's backing along this too, and Microsoft's done a tremendous amount of work in the ecosystem of pushing on Windows Hello, pushing on passwordless experiences for workforce. There's this, like, momentum shift around passkeys in terms of driving consumer awareness. And having worked on this for close to a decade now, dear God, it is close to a decade. I'm sober about the fact that passwords are going to be around for probably two to three decades. This transition is going to be all in one. But... Imagine if a couple of major services, like Apple, you know with your Apple ID, with Gmail, with your Google ID, just or like you know other consumer services like Twitch or social media networks, support passkeys, all of a sudden you're gonna have like half of what we spend our time on the web utilizing only using passkeys and that's going to create a din of demand from consumers of like, holy cow, I want to use this everywhere. I think back to Touch ID, right? So Touch ID, when Touch ID launched, we were all, all excited about it and we were disappointed to hear there's not an API for us to tap into. And then the moment the API was announced, we, at OnePassword, were actually the first ones to implement it at WWC. I think actually, like Jeff said, it was like less than 12 hours after it was announced. We had a demo working and the very next morning we showed it to the devs. And that's our attitude of like, we want to meet users where it helps folks have a way better user experience as quickly as possible. And we're comfortable with the fact that we're going to be a little bit early to some technologies because we think we have a say in terms of what good UX and good experience looks like. And that's the same sort of commitment that we're making on passkeys. We want to make sure that not only users have the first experience, but the best experience using passkeys with one password.
0: Yeah, I'm just as excited about this as I was when Touch ID and biometrics started coming out in in Apple devices back when we were kind of all in on singularly Apple devices. The thing that gets me more excited about that is just the reach, just the amount of devices that can support passkeys where can people go to find out more and get updates on our future plans?
2: That's a great question, Matt. Where can people go?
0: <laughs> well, I think, personally, future.onepassword.com forward slash passkeys is a great website that hosts a, a bunch of information, and there's a newsletter there as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. And then I definitely want to point folks to passkeys. Directory, And then also, like, we're part of the Fight Alliance. We're on the board. The Fight Alliance has great resources, and, you know, the Fight Alliance is contributed to by Google, Apple, tons of great identity vendors in the space too. And finalize.org slash passkeys is a great resource, really like human-oriented explainer of exactly how they were. And also white papers around the security principles of, you know, CTAP2, there's a trusted communication layer between the browser and the trusted execution environment.
0: I have read the CTAP2 white paper. I'm not going to herald it as interesting as, <laughs> as you did. It's a fascinating read. I, I think it's got a niche audience there. Thank you so much for joining us. Please do come back on the show when there are more details around things that people can play with.
2: All right. Thanks for having me, Matt. Uh,
1: Matt, should we, should we talk about the winners of our game poll we, we asked our listeners to to vote for their favorite game to bring back from the random but memorable archives yeah it was a two two horse
0: race very close i don't think you're gonna enjoy the news i don't uh, why why is that matt but the the votes have been counted mm-hmm. and i can reveal that our listeners have decided to bring back play your passwords right
1: oh god are we also bringing back higher bot and lower bot
0: i think yes <laughs> I, I think we just bring back one of them okay and i think it's your best friend higher bot oh I think good that would be the best one to bring back
1: great i can't wait to be emasculated again <laughs>
0: <laughs> so i think for the second time we've ever done on this podcast it's it's time to play the play your passwords right theme tune so here we go here's the play your passwords theme tune <laughs> You can't see me, but I'm dancing. I am too! They don't make them either anymore.
1: Oh, God, the saxophone and the horns.
0: Best bit. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so with that, I think we can start the brand new Netflix special, which is featuring all original netflix shows so the rules basically are i will show a password and then reveal how many times that password has been in a breach i will then show another password and Rue, you have to guess whether it's higher or lower more or less times than the previous password this is of course made possible by haveibeenpwned.com forward slash passwords the home of finding if you've been in a data breach you can also go there if you want to play along at home It's also worth noting all of these passwords are one word and lowercase. Usually we have a theme for every week. And as I said, this week's theme, the Netflix special. So we are starting with Rue playing and Hyabot playing. So Hyabot, of course, just plays higher every time. And we see if Rue loses against them. So the first one is Ozark. I never watched this. Actually, no, that's not true. I watched the first episode. Me too. And then never again. Uh, 395 times Ozark has been used as a password. And what do we think about Stranger Things? Is that higher or lower?
1: It's higher. It's higher.
0: Okay. So you're going higher and higher is going higher, obviously.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: You're both wrong. What? Stranger Things 291. Two hundred ninety-one times. Mm. Okay, next one, Bridgerton. Did you watch this? Oh, it was steamy. Uh, it was like it was a normal like you know period drama, mm-hmm. and then boom, yeah, it, it hit, it hit it all off. <laughs> all the it, it was a smutty program.
1: Oh, I I never watched Bridgerton.
0: Okay, higher or lower? What do you think?
1: Uh, it's higher. It's higher than Stranger Things.
0: It's lower again.
1: Come on,
0: both of you still wrong. Bridgerton, 33. So, like, not great, but not terrible. Well, at least I'm not losing to bot yet. Okay, next one. Orange is the new black. God, they made, like, 15 series
1: of this. It's lower. This one is lower still.
0: Okay. You are correct. So you have one point, and bot has zero points. All right. That's great. Starting this uh, new game off pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. Okay, the next one is Better Call Saul. All right,
1: now we're creeping back up. Better call Saul. We're gonna we're gonna climb back up. That one's gonna be higher.
0: Okay, it is lower.
1: Oh my gosh!
0: Fourteen.
1: Do you know what? A little bit of a little bit of uh, faith in humanity restored here. Like people are not using a lot of these as, as passwords, which is good.
0: Yeah, I think so. All right. Okay, the next one is The Witcher.
1: Okay, higher because it's not just a Netflix show; it's also a book. So a video game, definitely higher. Okay. It's there's a whole thing.
0: Okay, so you're going higher, and of course, higher bot is going higher.
1: Higher bot. Yeah. You're both yep.
0: correct. Alright, good. 630. Yeah. Okay, the next one is the crown. The crown. Yes. Is the crown higher than the witcher?
1: <sighs> I really don't know. Witchers at 630. Yeah, alright. We're gonna go higher. We're gonna say mm, mm, no i'm going lower the crown is lower than the witcher
0: the old switcheroo
1: yeah the old switcheroo (laughs) (laughs)
0: 106 episodes and i've never made that joke (laughs) all right it is lower (laughs) you were correct there you're three points out two points ahead yeah suck it higher bot all right riverdale which I understand is some sort of teenage angst program.
1: Yes, correct. Yeah. Apparently with like supernatural elements to it too at some point. I don't know. We watched half a season,
0: I think. Really? Yeah. I think it's shot quite well. Lots of nice lighting. Yeah. Yep. More popular than The Crown, do you think? No, it's lower. Riverdale, we're, we're headed back down here. Okay, so you're going lower. Yeah. Hyrebot is of course going higher. Yep. bot takes it. 4,068.
1: <laughs> Holy. Yeah. How many more of these do we got? Because at this point I gotta play the game, not the
0: one, two, three. We've got three more. Three more.
1: Alright, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start playing my opponent here as opposed to the game. Okay.
0: <laughs> Next one is Love is Blind. Did you watch this? I watched both the American one and the Japanese one. <laughs>
1: uh, no. No, I haven't watched this. This is this is the one it's that's It's real all-
0: good. Basically they put them in two porter cabins stuck side by side and then they shout at each other through the wall and then they <laughs> tell each other that they've fallen in love. From just having a conversation in a port cabin for a while. And then they send them on a honeymoon and basically like give them situations where they might have an argument. I love it. It sounds terrible but is it more popular than riverdale it is i nearly said river dance
1: it's definitely more popular than river dance, uh but it's definitely not more popular than river dance. okay all right fine
0: michael Flatley is, is finest
1: yeah lord oh. of the dance i know listen i i had it on vhs back in the day i understand
0: oh i i had it at ramanans i used to go there every weekend and watch it yep
1: yep well this isn't that this is
0: uh, no so i've heard the shirts aren't as good <laughs> Okay,
1: we're going to go higher.
0: We've descended here. Let's let's get <laughs> back on g- we're track. We're
1: going higher than Riverdale.
0: Hang on, what did I say it was again? Love is blind, that's it. Love is blind. So Hirebot's going higher, and you're yeah. going higher too. Yep. You're both correct. 5,789, love is blind. Good, 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 good. I'm assuming that you, you're playing the, the tact of like, you know, it's a phrase as well as a TV show.
1: Yeah, also like I can't lose if I just match Hirebot from here on out, so.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. The next one, Squid Game, one word all lowercase, higher or lower. Oh, man. More popular than Love is Blind or?
1: I'm breaking with my tactic here. It's, it's Squid Game is lower.
0: Okay. So you're going lower. Hi, what's going higher? You are correct. <sighs> Only eight. Yes. Eight people have got a pwned password of Squid Game. Extend that lead. Love it. Good. All right. We've got one more. Mm-hmm. One more. I can't lose. I, this is an anomaly to your to your history. <laughs> so, the Umbrella Academy. This is one with the um, English-accented monkey.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, played probably by what the hell's his name? <laughs> Who's, who does all the motion capture stuff? He was Gollum. He was. Oh,
0: he was in the new Luther movie as the bad guy, and yeah. he was really good. Yes. Um. Uh. What was his name? <laughs> Uh, oh it's um it's right on the tip of my tongue. oh god he was in Andy Circus it's your man Andy Circus that's who it is it's,
1: it's, I think it's just circus but yeah okay so English monkey chimp actually probably played by Andy Circus I, I don't think it was but okay. uh, no I don't think so either Umbrella Academy is it
0: popular I, d- I don't know much about it to be honest
1: no this is lower it's lower yet than Squid Game okay I think it's also a book uh, a graphic novel I'm still going lower it's gonna be
0: lower there's a guy in it called Reginald Hardgreaves. That's correct. What, what a brilliant name! Yeah, it's pretty good. Hang on, I'm just finding out the monkey voice. Adam Godley, no idea who he is. All right there, we go. So you you are going what now?
1: Lower than lower than eight. Lower than Squid Game.
0: Lower than eight. Yeah. Oof. Okay. And higher bots, of course, going higher than eight. Yep. You are correct. Yeah. The Umbrella Academy. Zero times it has been pointed as a password. God,
1: I'm so glad we brought this game back. I love it. You doubled
0: higher bots score i did yeah incredible stuff (laughs) how do you feel
1: i feel great top of the world this is the best game i'm i don't don't know why we ever stopped i love it
0: all right (laughs) i think it's brilliant i i love that it's come back
1: i mean we've been at this for a number of years like we now have classics that we can we can return to
0: yeah you missed the last episode but the last game basically pulled weird things out of my head what's in your wardrobe my grandma (laughs) was the answer Uh, so there we go nice well,
1: listen, this was a wonderful episode. This little bit of return to form, just the two of us here. I know. But I enjoyed it. It was a good time.
0: Well, I'll see you on the four hour meeting that you uh, added to my calendar.
1: You're not showing up to that. I'm really not
0: showing up to that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Either
2: way, uh, love you, Matt.
0: Love you. Bye.